0: Welcome to Three Strands Podcast. We hope you enjoy the sermon you're about to hear. At Three Strands, our mission is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. Several years ago, a friend of mine uh, and I were going to watch his girlfriend play basketball She played for Athletes in Action. It was like this Christian basketball organization, and we were going to Marshall University where they were playing, which is in West Virginia. And so we met up in Lexington, and we began driving on I-64, and we started telling stories, just catching up about old times and just laughing our heads off, you know, as we were driving along without a care in the world, until we both saw it. We looked up, and we saw the big green sign as we were driving by that said Waddy, Paytona exit. And we looked at each other and was like, did that just say Wadi Peytona exit? It's like I think it did. Now, if you're familiar with your Kentucky geography, you know that if you get to the Wadi paytona exit, you're almost to Louisville. And we were supposed to be going to West Virginia. Okay? So we had been going on I-64 West all this time thinking we were going on I-64 East. We thought we were going in the right direction, but turns out uh, we were actually going in the exact opposite direction of where we were intended to go. So can I just ask you a question this morning? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been there? Have you ever maybe been there in life knowing that God wants you to go in one direction, but yet you turn and you go in the exact opposite direction? Well, that's what the guy that we're going to be talking about these next three weeks did. And today we're beginning this new series called Running in the Wrong Direction, where we're going to study the book of Jonah. And even if you're not a church person or, um, you know, you've not been to church in a long time, I'd almost guarantee that you have heard about this guy named Jonah. And historians, they have a difficult time with this story because after all, I mean, What are the odds of this really happening? I mean, a guy getting swallowed by a whale for three days and nights, I mean, that, that come on. And it reminds me kind of like the secular elementary school teacher who was explaining to her class that the story of Jonah was false, she said, because she said, while a whale's body's very large, its throat is very narrow, and it could not possibly swallow a human, she said. And so this little fourth grade girl uh, spoke up and asked the teacher, said, well, When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah how it happened. And the teacher, being very argumentative, said, Well, what if Jonah went to hell? And the little girl said, Well, you can ask him then. Okay? (laughs) Cruel, cruel, cruel. So, as we kick off this series today, I want you to know that I really believe this happened. I believe this story is literal, and here's why I believe that it happened. In Matthew 12, verses 38-41, through we're not going to read the verses, but in those verses, Jesus claims that this story was historical, that it's literal, that it really happened, and as we've said many times around here before, that what Jesus says, we believe, That, that if a man rises from the dead, we just go with whatever he says, and when Jesus says this happened, I believe it happened, it's really that simple, okay, however... You may be sitting here this morning and you're a little more skeptical than I am. And you may be sitting here thinking, I don't know if that really happened. That's okay. We can agree to disagree. But within this story, we find our own stories as well, yours too. Because as strange as this story is, Jonah and all of us in the room this morning, we all have this one thing in common. You ready for it? We have all attempted at one point in our lives, to run from God, right? We've all attempted at one point in our lives to run from God. And many of us have found out that we can run from God, but we can't outrun God. And many people think, well, that, that might be true, but I'm doing pretty good, you know, because God's in the rearview mirror, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Well, you know the saying that says, objects in the rearview mirror may appear closer than they are. You know, maybe you feel like that. Now listen, we aren't talking about running from God physically, but how many times have you heard stories or how many times have you heard a testimony, maybe even your own, that sounds something like this? Well, well, I grew up in church or I grew up in a Christian home and I got into high school or I got into college and I just, I just left God behind. Ever heard a story like that before? And maybe unintentionally, you have turned your back on God because you want to do things your own way. And if so, if that's been part of your story, you are no different than Jonah. Same thing. Maybe your story's not so general. But maybe for you, you are running from God in a specific area of your life. And in most cases of your life, God's very involved, you know, in your life. But you've got the, this one area, this one issue where you think, God, please stay out of that because she's really, really cute. And besides, God, she can become a Christian later. And, and because, God, you know, it's easier for somebody to become a Christian than it is to make them really, really cute. So please, God, just work with me in this one area. Some people get into a marriage and then they realize that they committed too early, and now they've met somebody else, and they want out. But they read through the Bible, and they see where God says to stay in. And so they just kind of push God aside, and they do relationships the way they want to do them. Because after all, isn't it God's will for me to be happy? No, it's not. Okay, let me go ahead and clear that one up. It's God's will for us to be holy And when we follow him and seek holiness, many times happiness will follow. Or maybe you're dealing with your finances in a way that doesn't really honor God. And you know down deep that if you were ever to just stop and turn around and just simply ask God how he would like for you to handle your money, you have a feeling deep down in the pit of your stomach he would say, not that way, okay? not the way that you've been handling it, And you don't know for sure, but you don't want to know. And so in this one area of your life, you're running. And the truth is, you know, uh, they they say don't go to church because hypocrites. But listen, we're all hypocrites, especially in this area. We're all hypocrites because we all say things like, oh, God, please protect me and my family and and take care of my kids and, and my job and on and on and on. But don't mess with this. Because in that area, I'm running. God, I know better than you do in this area of my life. And everybody in the room, at one point, at some point in our lives, we've run from God, whether it be something general or a specific area. We all run, and to be honest, we all run for the same reasons. You know, one of the unique things that we're going to discover in this series is that we think that our story is unique. We we think it's different, but our stories are not unique. They're not different. Our story is just like everyone else's. We all run because we think that if we don't run, that we're going to miss out on something good, right? We think we're going to miss out on something good if we don't. It's the same story of Adam and Eve back in the Garden of Eden, and it's our story as well. We don't trust God, and so we run, and we think that we're smarter, and we think that we know better than, listen, the God of the universe, the king of the world. We think we know better than him. Listen, I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Do we not do that? It's true, and if we would just be humble enough to admit it this morning, we know it's true. Many people confuse God with their local church maybe the, the one that you grew up in, and your church experience just wasn't good. It didn't look a lot like Jesus, and, and you just got spiritually beat up, and, and dad got kicked out, and mom couldn't do this or that, and you had this terrible church experience growing up. But you learned in Sunday school that church and God, they, they kind of went hand in hand. And as you got older, you knew you didn't want to do life with, with these religious church people. And the only thing you knew to, knew to do was to run. Because unfortunately, nobody ever told you that God and your local church are, are not identical. They're not the same. I mean, we want to look like Jesus, but a lot of churches don't. And at times in your life, over the past decade or so, you've wanted to reconnect with God. But then you thought about your past church experience, and so you didn't. You just didn't. And at times you want to know if there's a purpose for your life and if there's a plan for your life and if it could just all make sense. But then you you think about that past church experience again and, and those religious people. And in your mind, they've just kind of blended in with everybody else. And so in order to get out of one environment, you have either accidentally or you've intentionally felt like you had to turn your back on your heavenly father as well. And that's sad. Well, can I tell you this morning that that God's not moved? God's not moved. He's still waiting like he did in the story of the prodigal son. With with his arms wide open just waiting for you to come home running. It it reminds me kind of like that older couple who was driving down the road. And they were driving this older model truck with just the one bench seat, you know. And the husband was driving, and and the wife was over there by the passenger side window. And and as they were driving down the road, they they passed a younger couple who was also driving an older model truck, one of those bench seats there, and they were going in the opposite direction. And and the woman was sitting in the middle, and the man had his arm around her, you know. And they passed, and and the the first truck, she said, the the wife said to her husband, Oh, honey, remember how when we were younger, And we would drive around just like that, all all snuggled up together, close to each other. And the husband kind of grumpily responded, well, I ain't moved. (laughs) And I want you to know this morning that God's not moved. He's still there, just waiting on you to turn around and come running with arms wide open. So listen, today, if you think, as I'm sitting here talking, Somebody called him, somebody emailed him, somebody sent him a text message because he's telling my story. The reason is because it's all of our stories. Your situation is not unique. And the great news is that while we can run from God, we can't outrun God. And that, my friends, is a good thing. Okay, it's a wonderful thing. So as we look at the story of Jonah, I just want to highlight three things that all runners do. And, and I hope some of you today have this aha moment where you go, how did he know? How did he know? Well, because it's in the Bible and your experience is not unique. Now, it's unique to you because it's the first time you've experienced it, but it's not unique to mankind. Because listen, when a person runs, when a person chooses, decides to run from God, there's three things that always happen. Three things always happen. And if you're a runner today, you are in one of these three stages. And my goal this morning is to hopefully change our way of thinking, that it's not any different for us, okay? So I was asking Carson last night, I said, I'm teach from Jonah 1 in the morning. I want you to read it tonight and send me three life applications, three things that apply to your life from Jonah chapter 1. And I got up this morning and read it. His points are way better than mine. So what I'm about to share with you is not as good. I should have used his, but they were, they were top-notch. But let's dive in. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Okay, here's what he wants him to do. Get up, and I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh, and I want you to announce my judgment against it, because I've seen how wicked its people are. But what did Jonah do? He got up and he said, Phew, see ya, and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Running in the wrong direction, right? Here, Jonah, uh, implies something that we oftentimes forget. That God's not doing anything about my situation. Have you ever felt like that? You're in the middle of something and you've prayed and prayed and you just feel like God ain't doing jack here. I'm going to have to step in and do something because he's not doing anything. That God had just looked down on this nation of Nineveh. He saw its wickedness and he didn't do squat. But God had put up with it. And God had decided he just about had enough. And before he leveled the place, he decided that he was going to give them one more chance. And listen, in his kindness, I know it doesn't sound kind, but in his kindness, in his mercy, and in his grace, God sends them Jonah to warn them just one more time. All he asked them to do was go preach an eight-word sermon. Forty days from now, Nineveh will be overturned. That's all he had to do. And and so he sends Jonah to kind of tell them they better get their act together as a nation or that he was going to judge them. That's what he was supposed to say. Now, if you have a hard copy of the Bible and you look in the back at the map section, you'll see that Nineveh was about 500 miles to the east of where Jonah was. And so instead of going northeast to Nineveh, he sets off for Tarshish, which is modern-day Spain, about 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. So Jonah just didn't say no. He ran 2,500 miles in the opposite direction of where he was supposed to go. And if actions speak louder than words, then Jonah was yelling here. Okay? God, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Look at the second part of verse 3. It says, He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Ever tried to escape from the Lord? Well, here in this verse, we run into the first thing that everybody who runs from God does. You ready for it? People who run from God, inevitably, they run to the strangest, most dangerous, self-destructive places, don't they? I mean, when we run from God, think about your own life. Don't we run, as you look back at your past, to the strangest, most dangerous, self-destructive places? I mean, they run to places that if, if, we, if they were on the outside looking in at somebody else's life, they would say to themselves what we say to Jonah. Not a boat. A boat? Really? I mean, if you're going to run from God, stay on dry ground for crying out loud. Not a boat. Why in the world would you get on a boat? Go somewhere safe. And it, it reminded me of this old Geico commercial. You've you seen this one. T- take a look. That's kind of what Jonah did, though. Same thing, right? Let's go to the boot, you know? It's crazy. And what I know from my own experience, and what I've seen oftentimes from runners, is that we run to the dumbest, most dangerous places, and then later on in life, we look back and we think, how could I have been so stupid, right? And the people that love us, they they will look at us and say, you're going to do What? You're gonna marry who? I mean, you're dating him? You're gonna work where? You bought a what? Right? All of us, when we can look back and think about our biggest regret relationally, we look back and we think, how could I have been so blind? I mean, what was I thinking? It's really simple. When we turn our backs on God and we decide to run, we never run to safety. We never run to safety. Single people in the room, listen, you should never get married while you're running from God because you'll make a bad choice every single time. Every single time. You know what else happens when uh, people run from God? You've seen it their lives begin to unravel and eventually they begin to self-destruct. Their lives just seem to unravel all of a sudden and, and they begin to self-destruct. Now, this doesn't happen overnight or this doesn't happen over the weekend or you know, 15 minutes after the decision, but eventually their life will unravel. Here's why. When we turn our backs on God, we turn our backs, listen, on the source of wisdom, the source of Of truth and then inevitably we make unwise decisions because we've turned our back on the source of wisdom listen we don't mean to we're not trying to it's it's not intentional I mean we think at the moment we're doing the right thing but then we make misinformed decisions and they always come back to haunt us we will regret those decisions every single time and and, you know I was just thinking last night I hope our church becomes the finish line for runners. I hope this is it, this place here. That people can come here and they can become an ex-runner like many of us were. And even though that they've now created a lot of financial problems for themselves and kid problems and and marriage problems now, that this would be a place of healing for them. That we could redirect them to, to the source of wisdom to the source of truth, to the source of unconditional love and acceptance. It could become our motto, you know, three strands church, a church for X runners. I would love that. And I feel like we are that somewhat. And, you know, we'll never find anyone else in this world that can love us unconditionally except for God and you know, maybe your mama. I don't know. We all want to be loved unconditionally. We all want to be loved that way, and God is the only source. But listen, yet we run from Him. And we try to fill our love tanks up in a world that's just not going to fill it. And so many people spend all kinds of time, and they spend all kinds of money, and they spend all kinds of energy trying to squeeze out of people and to squeeze out of relationships something that's just not in there to give. And it's just a byproduct it's just what happens when we walk away from the source of unconditional love. And so you get married. But something's just not quite right. And In fact, you feel something's very wrong. And it must be his fault. And so you get divorced. Because he doesn't make you happy. And, and then you get remarried. And it, it was his fault again. And it's always their fault. And you run and you run, but you just can't find what you're looking for because what you're looking for is in the rearview mirror. And objects in the rearview mirror, okay, they appear closer than they are, right? You feel like God's a million miles away, but he's not. Can I share with you a principle that you may not need to know now, but you will definitely will later on? Did you know that everything that was created... Was created for a purpose. And did you know that the Creator, listen, is the only one who knows the purpose for which something or someone was created? He's the only one who knows that. It doesn't matter how smart we are or how educated we are, we will never find purpose in life apart from our Creator because we're a creation. I mean, what a shame. What a shame it would be to run through your 20s and run through your 30s and run through your 40s and finally realize that what you're looking for is not on the other side of that decade. I mean, you would get this awful sense of of purposelessness. I want to encourage you this morning, don't do it. Don't do it. We will never find purpose, listen, apart from God. We won't. We can run and we can create and we can produce and we can marry and we can try to love but we will never ever be able to fill the void inside that listen only Jesus can fill. He's the only one. We will always feel empty on the inside without him. And listen there's nothing wrong with us. You know we don't need therapy, we don't need a pill. We just need listen to stop running. And turn back to God. That's it. And we also need to learn this valuable lesson. You can't run from the one who made your feet. We just can't. We can't run from the one who made our feet. Last take-home lesson is this. Runners always hurt the people who are in close proximity to them. Always. They always hurt the people that are in close proximity to them. Listen, if you date... If you run with, if you hang out with somebody who's running from God, as their life begins to unravel, your life will be negatively impacted as well. We see this in the story of Jonah because they're on a ship and there's this storm and they have to throw all their merchandise overboard, which is costing them a ton of money. The sailors in the story, they didn't do anything wrong, right? I mean, the only thing they did was accept a ticket and let a guy on board who was running from God. That was it. That's all they did. Dad's in the room. Listen, if we are running from God, our wives and our kids will be negatively affected. And we can pray and we can ask God to bless and protect and bless and protect, but it's going to happen anyway. The reason teenagers and single adults don't understand why, why their parents overreact at times and they look at the people they date and go, huh? Is because when you hook up with a runner, everybody who knows better, everybody who's been there, everybody who loves you knows this that your heart may be pure, your heart may be right. Your, your heart may be on track, but when you align yourself too closely with a runner, you're going to get hurt. Guys, we've got a generation of, of children in our country who may have to reap what their parents have sown for the rest of their lives because their parents were runners and were too prideful to step on, to step on their pride and turn around in God's direction. And they thought they could protect their kids. But, guys, it's a principle that will never change. People who run injure the people who run too close with them. It just happens. Well, there's good news. And the great news is that, listen, when we run, God doesn't just sit back on his hands and say, well, there they go. There they go. We'll just get someone else to do it. Jonah's not going to go preach the word sermon. I guess I'll get Bobby, you know, whatever. He doesn't do that, okay? God doesn't say to heck with them. What we see illustrated in the life of Jonah is what Jesus taught in the New Testament, the story of the prodigal son. It's the entire Old Testament and God's attitude towards the nation of Israel, remember? And in the New Testament, it's the story of forgiveness, It's the story of grace and and the story of mercy. That God, listen, God will, he will involve himself right in the middle of the unraveling. God will plop down right in the middle of the consequences and the pain. Please don't miss this. Not to pay you back, but to bring us back. He's not going to do that because he's out to get us and wants to, to pay us back. But he wants to bring us back. And listen, the reason that God gets so intentional in bringing us back is because he already paid a huge price for us on the cross. And because his investment was such a high price, he will go to the ends of the earth to bring us back. And listen, if that means allowing us to suffer for the sake of getting our attention, then he will do that. Dave and I talk about this all the time. How big is the boulder going to have to be to drop on somebody's life before they'll turn in the opposite direction and run back toward God? We just watch it happen in their life. Painful things, suffering, consequences, and it's like they just keep running and the boulder gets bigger and bigger. It's like how big does it have to be before you wake up and say, okay, God, I'm coming home running towards you. But if if that's what God has to do to get our attention, then he'll do that. Look at verse 4. It says, But the Lord, and here's the consequences we're talking about. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Now, Now there goes the point of the entire trip. That's why they were going. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. And so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and he'll spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. And when they did this, lo and behold, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Now, I know that's a little weird, but, but casting lots was kind of like a Christian Ouija board, you know, so to speak. And the lot kind of fell on Jonah, or it didn't kind of, it did. And I would say when that happened, Jonah probably went, "Uh uh-oh, I think I'm starting to see the connection here. Guys, Jonah knew that when the lot fell in his direction, that this storm was not just a coincidence, but that the God he knew so well had decided to track him down. Look at verse 8. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What's your line of work? What country are you from? What's your nationality? And Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Basically saying that he's responsible for all this. Verse 10. The sailors were terrified. Can you imagine? When they heard this. For he had already told them that he was running Away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do to you to stop this storm? And guys, in that moment, Jonah realized what I hope that some of us will realize today that this is pointless. Running from God is just pointless. I mean, we can run from God, but we can't outrun God because of his grace. Because of his mercy and because of his unconditional love. And because of that love, he's going to create some consequences, guys, that probably far outweigh our offense. And they're probably going to seem like overkill for the decision that we've made if that's what it's going to take to bring us back to him. So Jonah finally just throws up his hands and he says in verse 12, Throw me into the sea, and it'll become calm again. In other words, he says, I might as well die. I cannot outrun God, and there's no point in all these sailors having to die with me. He says, I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Look at verse 13. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get the ship to the land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them. Just picture this. And they couldn't make it. And then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Now they've become believers all of a sudden. You know, like, what was your God's name again? You call him Lord. Okay, okay, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and they threw him into the raging sea. And what happened? The storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck, wouldn't you be? I would be. They were awestruck by the Lord's, what, great power. And they offered him a sacrifice and they vowed to serve him. And guys, at that point, Jonah learned something about God that we all eventually learn. That when we run from God, listen, he doesn't chase us, but he waits for us. When we run from God, he doesn't chase us, but he waits for us. God knew how this whole thing would unfold. I mean, God wasn't back in Judea going, anybody seen Jonah? You know, he was right here when I left him, and and I went and I took a little break, and I come back and he's gone. Now what am I going to do? Nope, he's God. He always has a plan. Look at verse 17. Here's the plan. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah, can you imagine this, was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Do you know why God provided the storm? Do you know why he allowed that lot to fall on Jonah? Do you know why he provided the fish? Do you know why he allowed Jonah to spend three unbelievable days and nights in the belly of a fish? Here's why. Because of the unconditional love that Jonah had turned his back on. That's why. Do you know why God will allow you to face unbelievable consequences? Do you know why he will allow your marriage to just completely unravel? Do you know why he will allow you to be totally alienated from your kids, while he will seemingly ignore your prayers until you come to the end of yourself, please hear me. It's not to pay you back, but it's to bring you back. It's to bring us back because of the love and the grace that you have turned your back on and walked away from. Guys, I'd say everybody in this room, is either a runner or an ex-runner. I pray today. I pray today that today would be the day that some runners come home. And listen, I'm I'm not trying to be phony up here. I've been there. I've been there. Listen, I've said to God before, dear Heavenly Father, no. In Jesus' name, amen. I've said, dear God, see ya. Amen. Because I'm going to go do my own thing. And then I've laid in bed at night facing the consequences of my stupidity, just asking, why in the world would I run there? How in the world did I get into this? How am I going to get out of this? Knowing that the thing I was needing to do was simply just to say, God, help me. Help me. But I felt guilty because I had no reason for God to help me because my last prayer was just a polite handshake and I hit the road. So maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait until this completely unravels. I don't want to wait until after the divorce and go, silly me. I don't want to wait until after my kids are grown. I don't want to wait until I'm 50 years old and, and saying good grief is just more of the same. I just don't want to run any longer. That you could say, you're done. And I can't think of a a perfect clip better than this Forrest Gump clip illustrates. Take a look at this. Anyway, like I was saying, I had a lot of company. My mom always said, you got to put the past behind you before you can move on. And I think that's what my running was all about. I had run for three years, two months, 14 days, and 16 hours. Quiet, quiet, he's going to say something. Pretty tired. Think I'll go home now. Now, what are we supposed to do? And just like that. My running days was over. I think that's what God wants some of you to do this morning. Some have been running for three years and how many ever months and whatever days. And I think God wants you to stop, say, I'm pretty tired. I think I'll go home now and end your running days. Today, I pray that you would make that decision to stop running. Because today could be the day that some of you just say, you know what? I'm not going to run anymore. So would you just come home to God this morning as he just stands there with open arms waiting on you to come home running. I'm gonna pray, the band's gonna come up and we're gonna stand and sing this last song and I challenge you to make that decision this morning. Father, thank you for the story of Jonah and what it teaches us. God, I pray for those that are sitting here this morning and go, that's me, it's me. I'm who he's talking about this morning. I wanna stop. Would you help him to stop running? Would you help them to realize you're not trying to pay them back, you just want to bring them back? God, would you just help them to step on their pride so they can humbly make a decision to stop the way they're going, to stop and just turn around and say, God, I'm with you. I want to do life with you. I'm tired of doing things on my own, my own way. It's not working out. I need you. Would you help me? And God, we know that you will. We know you're faithful and we do things your way. We love you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Wow, we hope that encouraged you and will push you to know Jesus better. There's no better life than the life that is completely dependent on God. Be sure to check back each week for new podcasts from 3SC.